The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. Temporarily, I'm just a baton holder for a second because uh, Kyle is going to be sharing today. And uh, amen. So, if you're new here, nobody preaches on anything unless they are actually able to live. We are actually, can you live that? Like, oh, here, here's a good topic. I think I can break that down. It's, we are actually, can you live that out? And if you can live it out, then you can share on it. Uh, we've been doing the full armor of God. And Kyle's going to be coming up and sharing on faith. And I would just encourage you, take your notes out, get your phone, get ready to take notes. This guy has lived faith. I've seen him. He's not going to tell him on himself. I'm going to tell a few things. I've seen them when they had lost jobs, lost income, continue to host community group, and literally, on this, basically on the same day, have couches being moved out because they had to sell to pay bills while people are heading over to come hang out at community group. Like, where are they going to sit? We're going to have to figure this out. Literally seeing them open their home and host. Why? Because their faith stayed strong. I'm just going to continue to love God through this. We're going to continue to serve through this, continue to work through this. Mm-hmm. I've seen them just over and over and over again have the faith to get up and to face the things that are in front of them and to live out what God's called them to live out. So you're going to be learning some stuff from somebody that's doing it. Okay, so if you're in your life saying, man, I need to get up and move forward. Not I need to be perfect. I need to get move forward. Now's a good time to learn something. So pay attention and take some notes. Awesome. Thank you. Well, I'm excited to get into this. Um, Yeah, I remember we were babysitting for somebody, and we had their kids over, and they're coming back from their date, and their couches are going out. (laughs) They're like, where are you guys putting your furniture? Like, oh, we're selling it, man. We've got to pay bills. So yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Well, I'm always grateful for the opportunity to get up here and to share the different things that God's been teaching me through his word and through my time in prayer. So thank you so much for, for being here and for letting me do this. Um, this whole series on spiritual warfare has been just incredible. It's been so cool to see the different things that people are being challenged by and the different things that are being shaken in our lives. While it is challenging, it's been amazing to see the growth and see the faith and to see the move of God in our different people's lives from it. So This morning, we're going to talk about the shield of faith. So um, let's pray and we'll dive in. Father, I thank you so much for your goodness to us. Jesus, I thank you for all that you've done. God, and I thank you for being our shield, being our protector. And we pray that you be here with us this morning. Amen. So Ephesians 6, 16, it says, In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Even though that's just one sentence, it's jam-packed with so much truth, and it gives us so much insight into how the enemy attacks and what we have available to be able to defend against those attacks. And and the three things we're really going to unpack this morning, well, I'm sure there's plenty more, but the three things we're going to look at are, what are these flaming arrows? Obviously, they're important. Obviously, there's some significance to them. Otherwise, the Bible wouldn't be talking about them, and we would need a shield to defend against them. So what are these flaming arrows? What is the defense against them, this whole shield of faith, right? Because I think often 
We can just say, I have the shield of faith, and we use these verses, take up the shield of faith, but let's actually unpack and get into the nitty-gritty of what that is. And finally, who is this verse for? And so we're going to get into that with these flaming arrows. You know, there's just something so cowardly about shooting an arrow at somebody as opposed to engaging them head-on in battle. And I think that this verse shows us the strategy, the tactic, and the ability that the enemy has to try to attack us. Because when our lives are hidden in Christ, and we're tucked away inside that safety of who he is, the enemy can't get to us. All that the enemy can do is to stand from a distance and fire arrows at us. And so the two arrows that he primarily will use are these arrows of accusation and these arrows of temptation. And, you know, 2 Corinthians 2.11 says that we're not unaware of his schemes. And we have a huge advantage with the Bible and with, with God's word to be able to understand what these schemes are and to understand that these flaming arrows of accusation and temptation, they're being shot at us all day long towards every part of our lives, towards our finances, our health, our relationships. It's unending, and the reason why is because the enemy is violently and aggressively jealous of the worship that God gets from us and envious of the identity that we have as God's sons and as God's daughters in Christ. And so there's this attack that's constantly coming at us in every area. The good news with this is that there is a shield of faith available to protect every part of our lives from every arrow. That verse, it says, all arrows. And so we're going to get into these arrows of accusation this morning. You know, so these arrows of accusation, they'll get shot at us towards the different sin that we've been healed from and the sin that we've been forgiven from. Again, there's nothing that the enemy can do other than to stand at a distance and accuse us of the things that have happened to us, the things that we've done, the different shameful things, to try to remind us of what has happened. And I recently found an old journal from, from years ago, and I had listed 10 different things that I was thinking about myself at the time, and, and it's there in my own handwriting, and I'll, I'll read them off. It says, I'm undeserving of good things. I will always be in pain without healing. I'm pathetic and weak. I'm a burden and cumbersome to people. I'm weak-willed and undisciplined. I'm feeble and weak-minded. I'm a selfish pervert. I don't want to be alive. I'm not worth fighting for. I'm not important, and I'm not valuable. And each one of those was an arrow of accusation that the enemy would shoot at me for the sole purpose of pushing me away from my relationship with God from pushing me away from the person who paid the price to forgive me and made everything available to heal me. And so maybe you're here this morning and you've had your list or you currently have a list of different accusations that the enemy is shooting at you constantly and daily. And I'm here to tell you this morning that the power of God, the love of God that was displayed when Jesus was put up on that cross is enough to heal you fully and completely, and enough to forgive you fully and completely. And so these flaming arrows, they're coming at us all day long towards us, but these flaming of arrows of accusation, they're not, also, not only being shot at us personally, 
They get shot at our brothers and our sisters. Revelation 12.10 refers to the devil as the accuser of the brothers, brothers and sisters who accuses them before God day and night. Now, remember, the sole purpose of these flaming arrows is to push us away from relationship with God and with each other. And again, we're not unaware of the enemy's schemes. We know what he's doing. We know that these arrows are meant to push us away. And it's really not shocking when you think about how confused and chaotic and and broken we are as humans. If you get enough people in in a room for a long enough time, there's going to be plenty of blame and accusation to go around for the hurt, for the pain, for the discomfort. And, and it's, the church isn't exempt. We're not exempt from that. The difference for us is that we have the insight into why this is happening, what the enemy is trying to do, why these flaming arrows of accusation are constantly being shot at each other in our own hearts and our own minds. We have insight into why that's happening. And best of all, we have the greatest and most potent resource available to us to be able to defend against these arrows of accusations towards each other. We have the opportunity of a lifetime as God's sons and God's daughters to not live how the world lives, to not constantly be poking and prodding and finding fault with each other, but to actually live in forgiveness, to actually live in right relationship with each other. And so these arrows of accusation, again, there's nothing that they can do when that shield of faith is up. So the other arrows, sorry. Uh, so the arrows of accusation are there to push us away from God. The other arrows that the enemy will shoot are these arrows of temptation. And if arrows of accusation are meant to push us away from God, these arrows of temptation are intended to pull us away from God or to lure us away from God. Now, I'm no Anastasio Hernandez. I'm not this amazing professional fisherman, but I've done a little bit of fishing in my life. And when I was a kid, uh, when I was younger, I lived in Shasta Lake City, which is a little town in Northern California. And we had this neighbor who would, uh, who would take us out onto his boat to go fishing. And so it was really cool. We'd go out in Shasta Lake, and he taught us how to tie our lures on. He taught us how to cast, taught us how to set the hook when we got a fish. And one day, we were out fishing, and we were using this specific type of lure called a Zara Spook. And I have it up there on the screen. It's this two to four inch lure with two to three treble hooks. And those treble hooks are three super sharp hooks that are all over the lure. And so we're out there fishing, and I I go to cast, and I'm ready to cast. And I, I set the pole up, and I go to cast as if I'm casting my burdens on Christ, right? And I go to throw as hard as I can, and it stops. And I look back, and I hear, oh! All three treble hooks are embedded in Marty's back. And I go, oh, four-letter expletive! (laughs) Little little 11-year-old boy, and he's like, that's what I was going to say! And so I go over there, and I get the pliers, and I dig it out, and he's super cool about it. He's like, it's fine. He moves on, being a man, being tough. And So here's the thing. Lures are sharp. Lures are painful. And the intention of these lures is to cause pain and ultimately to lead to death. And there are so many different surface layers of temptation. It's easy for us to get deceived and caught up on these surface layers of temptation. But I think that when we can get down into the root 
of what we're actually being tempted to do, it'll help us to understand how we can move forward and not constantly go from, from giving in to resisting to having some days and months and weeks of clarity and then going back and falling back into it. So I have a field next to my house, and it's this big open grassy field, and it's, it's filled with weeds. And so every once in a while, these weeds will, will come up, and, and it'll look really nasty. And then the lawn guys will come out and cut it down, and it looks beautiful, right? Because the weeds are gone, right? No, the roots are still there. They're still deep down inside. And until we can get down to the root of what is going on, of what's causing us to, to give into these different things, such as drugs, alcohol, you know, internet pornography, all these different things that are just so easy and so obvious. But why do we go to those things? Why do we go to food for comfort? Why do we go to the entertainment for comfort? What is going on deep down inside? You know, again, we're not unaware of the, of the, of the schemes of the enemy. And if you go to Genesis 3.5, it gives an insight into the first arrow of, of temptation, rather, that was shot when, when the enemy, the serpent, is standing there before Adam and Eve. And he says that, for God knows when you eat from it, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The root of temptation is for us to take the place of God in our own lives. To be like God, to be equal with God, to take the pain and the shame that we feel from the sin we've committed and the sin that's been committed against us and to try to find some way, even temporarily, to mitigate the pain, to stop it, to just put it down for a split second for a little while. And inevitably what happens is that exasperates, it makes it worse, the pain increases, the shame multiplies. And what we need is a savior, what we need is somebody to come and to be able to fully and completely take away the pain, to take away the shame, to heal and to forgive us. And that is what we have in Jesus. That's what he's done for us. We don't have to try to find these temporary things to make us feel good in the moment. We have an eternal forgiveness. We have an eternal healing available to us. So what is the shield of faith? Right, Because these arrows, they're not just inconvenient. These arrows of accusation, of temptation that are there to push us away from relationship with God and to lure us away from relationship with God and his people, they're not just inconvenient. They're there to cause pain. They're there to completely destroy relationship. And so, you know, we need something to defend against that. And uh, I remember as a kid, there's this uh, saying, the rubber glue, remember this? Yeah, whatever you, uh, I'm rubber, you're glue, whatever you say bounces off me, sticks to you. Man, what a weak defense, right? How pathetic is that? That's not gonna, and here's the thing too. If you have a bully that's a real monster, that's just gonna provoke them even more. Trust me, I have two younger siblings. I know when these type of weak things get said, oh my gosh, it's time to pounce. So yeah, yeah, I'm glue, you're rubber. How ridiculous is that? And so what a real bully of a monster needs is someone who is bigger and stronger and more terrifying to shut his punk butt down. And that is what we have available to us in Jesus. This shield of faith it's not a weak defense that provokes a bully. It's a shield that's able to extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the enemy. 
from the arrows of accusation to temptation. It's a shield that when they come at us, they don't just stick against the shield. They get extinguished. They're eradicated. They don't have any impact on us whatsoever. That's the shield of faith that we're talking about. And our, our, our protection, our defense doesn't come from having a positive mindset from trying to muster up the strength to say, no, I'm not going to be hurt. No, I'm going I'm to hold up my shield of faith. Our strength and our defense doesn't come from that. Really, where is your trust? Is your trust in your, the chaos of your own mind? Is your trust in the, the messy junk drawer of your own heart where you're trying to sift around and find some solution to the pain and the shame and the, and the hurt that you're experiencing? What it comes down to is where is your trust? Who is your trust in. And our protection is God himself. This shield of faith is God himself. Look at all these verses that are in the Bible about this. Psalm 28.7, it says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song I praise him. Again, Psalm 119.114, you are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your word. Psalm 3.3, but you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. 2 Samuel 2.3, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my savior. You save me from violence. Proverbs 35, we're just gonna keep going. I love it. Every word of God is flawless. His shield, he is a shield to those who take refuge in him. And again, 2 Samuel twenty-two thirty-one. 31, as for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. Each one of those items that I listed earlier was a death sentence that I had no way to even begin to unravel even one of them, let alone resolve or to shut down any of them. I had nothing in myself to be able to do that. And it's only because God becoming my shield to extinguish those arrows of temptation and accusation, am I able to survive? Am I able to live? And it's a daily thing. It's a constant thing because those arrows are always coming at me and you every single day. And I have to just walk and say, Lord, you're my shield you're my shield against all of those different things. Because what it comes down to is this, is that our defense is not the act of faith. It's not what we do. Our defense is not the act of faith, but who our faith brings us into relationship with. Again, our defense is not the act of faith taking up the shield. Our defense is who our faith brings us into relationship with. And I watched this play out in an incredible way earlier this week with my boy. I was putting him to bed. He was super grumpy, super frustrated, just grunting and growling, no, no, I'm going to go to bed. Mm. And so he was up on the side of his bed. I was sitting on the foot of it and just asked him, like, what's going on, buddy? Nothing. I don't want to talk. Nothing. I was real angry, right? And so after a couple of minutes just sitting quietly, I said, hey, man, are you a little bit upset, really upset, or not upset at all? I'm a little bit upset. <laughs> Okay, good. We're getting somewhere. So sat quietly for a little bit more, and then I just began to share with him these truths about the flaming arrows and about God being our shield. And I said, who, Maverick, who, who do you think, what do you think the shield of faith is that defends us? And he's like, well, it's God. Yeah. I didn't even tell him. I was like, why do you think that? And he said, because he always protects us. 
It was amazing. And so we sit there and we're talking and, and I start saying, you know, buddy, maybe there's some flaming arrows coming at you. Maybe there's something that you're feeling that you don't belong or that you're not good enough or, or that, you, you know, your mom or your sisters don't love you. Do you ever experience anything like that? And, and you know, the, 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 the growl in his voice kind of subsided a little bit. And he's like, sometimes I don't feel like I belong. <laughs> I was just like, ah. and so I said, well, listen, dude, and I just started to introduce him from the Bible, and as I'm doing that, his little, oh, it just softens up, he starts crawling over to me, and he lays down on my chest, and I just start praying for him, and just speaking life over him, all this stuff, and then, this is the cool part, this is how the shield of faith works, this is what it looks like, after we're done praying, he sits up, and he starts saying, dad, do you remember that time when I went to the hospital, and afterwards, mom got me ice cream? That was really cool. And dad, oh, that blanket right there, that was from one of the nurses that one time went to the hospital. And, and I remember when Leah May and my sisters went and bought me toys. That was so cool. And, and, and he's like, I remember all the times that God healed my body. And he just starts speaking out all the things that God had done for him. Because the shield of faith was around him. Because God was surrounding him and handling and extinguishing those flaming arrows of accusation that my little eight, seven-year-old boy doesn't belong, that his, palm, his mom and his sisters don't love him. And it's the same for you. These different things that are coming against you to say that you don't belong, that you're not good enough, that you're always going to be the same way. That nothing is ever going to change when you can look to God as your defender and recognize there is nothing that I can do against these. I don't have the strength. God, be my shield. Help me. Because I have no defense against these things. These accusations, there's some accuracy to them. I've done stuff. There's things that I carry in my memory. Yeah, it's happened to me. I've done it. God, be my shield. Jesus, you are my savior. You are my forgiver. You're the one who redeems my very life. Help me. And again, the shield of faith, again, the defense is not the faith itself. It's in who our faith brings us into relationship with. And so the last thing I want to look at this morning is that we're stronger together. One of the coolest parts about Ephesians 6.16 is that it's a plural verse. It's talking to people. When it says, with which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the enemy, it's not talking directly to us or to one person. It's not talking to one Ephesian, right? This is being written to the Ephesians. There's more than one. And it's the same for us. When we look at the shield of faith, it's important for us to remember that this is being talked about from a community relational perspective, Right? And it's important to remember that because when we look at the shield that, that is being used, that Paul writes, it's, it's a word called a scutum, which is um, a Latin word, um, a Greek word for, for, uh, for a shield. And this is what the Romans would use. You can see up here. So the, the, other, the two that are solo, those, that's the only scutum that was actually uh, been recovered archaeologically. And, so, um, and then on the other side is what it would look like if it was in... in um, in full condition. And so what these soldiers would do is they would take these scutums, these shields, and they would create this amazing defensive formation called testudo, which is a turtle. And, and what this shows us is that our faith is stronger and more effective when we're in relationship and when we are in community. If you look at what Paul says in Romans 1, 11 through 12, he says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that I may be, that I may be mutually, that we, sorry, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. There's a strength when we can gather together and, and, and defend one another 
with the different testimonies of what God is doing. And if I try to build my faith, if I try to walk my walk, if I try to do this by myself, I miss out incredibly on all the different things that God is doing in other people's lives. I'm not able to receive their faith. You know, take, for example, Amanda Palomo. She's, uh, you know, she's in our community group, and her baby came 23 weeks early, and there was this fear that she wasn't going to make it, and all these different things that were happening. And all throughout the whole entire process, to see Amanda's faith in God, to be able to heal and to protect her baby, this has just incredibly increased the amount of faith in my own life. To think, okay, if Amanda's seeing this happen, we're seeing this happen. We're watching God heal this baby. She's been on breathing apparatuses and breathing um, masks, and, and she's had different heart surgery and all these things. And all the way, all along, God is healing and protecting this little girl. And Amanda is living out Philippians 4, 7, where it talks about a peace that surpasses all understanding. If you talk to her and if you look at her, man, she is not phased at all. She's off getting apartments. She's off Uber, or doing DoorDash and working, just doing all this stuff, knowing without a doubt that God is going to heal and protect her baby. And that is contagious, right? Another really cool example is with uh, the, uh, these two families in our church, the Walton family and the Clay family, who consistently bring people into their homes that are in hard situations, hard circumstances, and in some cases, challenging people. They bring them into their homes, like act not just for like dinner, not just for a week, but for an extended period of time. And as I see that happen, I'm able to watch that verse in Galatians 6.2, which says to bear each other's burdens and in doing so, fulfill the law of Christ. When I see the Waltons do this, when I see the Clays do this, it blows my mind because it's actually happening and it increases my faith and what God is able to do and how he's able to, to be there for them through the different challenges and through the exciting parts when people are changing, when they're able to go out. We just had a lady move out of the Clays house who finally got her own place right? And, and I was talking to that, that, that lady, and she said, Kyle, everything in my new apartment is in my own name. And if it wasn't for that transitional short period of time where the Clays let her stay there, it wouldn't have caused her this, um, this kind of uh, this pushing out for her to go and do this. And it's happening. It builds up my faith. And also, uh, Lucas Rosada, he's a youth pastor, uh, and he's back with the uh, kids. Imagine that. And, uh, you know, last Wednesday, he was at youth group, and he was talking to this new kid, and he just felt that God was giving him a, a word. Felt like God is saying, man, Lucas, this, this kid is good at writing. He likes to write. And so Lucas stepped out and said, hey, I don't know, but I just feel like God's telling me that you're, like, good at writing, and you like to write. And the kid kind of looks back and says, nobody knows that. I love writing, and I think I'm pretty good at it. How do you know that? And Lucas said, man, I just feel like God wanted me to tell you that he sees that, and then Lucas went on to say, God also wants you to know, not just that he's aware that you're good at writing, but he also wants you to know that he loves you. And he wants you to know that he sent his son to die for you and that he rose again for you to have eternal life. And out of this conversation, out of this word of knowledge that Lucas had about writing, the kid gave his life to Jesus. And when we see these types of things, yeah, gave his life to Jesus. When we see these things that like 1 Corinthians says, you know, to, to share these spiritual gifts, gifts for the common good and for salvation, man, it increases my faith to think like, God, what are you speaking to me when I'm out and about in my day? What are you speaking to me? What do you want to say to people that, that would draw them closer to you? And all of these things, they broaden our understanding and they broaden our experience of how powerful God is to love, to heal, to forgive, and to protect. And alone, I'm limited 
in my own understanding. But together, in relationship and in community, we're able to, sure, you know, like, you know, iron sharpens iron. There's some friction. There's that type of stuff. But because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us as his church, it causes us to grow closer to each other when there's that humility and that forgiveness. And when our eyes are fixed not on our own weakness or our own desires, when our eyes are fixed on Jesus and who he is for us, our faith grows and it becomes this influential, impactful thing that isn't just filling seats, but it's transforming lives. It's not just getting a card inviting, it's changing people every single day. And there's hundreds of other stories that are happening every week of God doing this, of showing up and bringing transformation in different people's lives. And it's an incredible opportunity that we have to be part of it. So in closing, wrapping up, the devil will use these arrows of accusation and temptation to push us away from God and to pull us away from God. But because of the right standing that we have in God because of what Jesus has done for us, we have the ultimate shield against these arrows that are trying to push us away, trying to pull us away. All the enemy can do is accuse and tempt. There's nothing else he's able to do. And the defense that we have, again, it's not our own strength. It's not our own memorizing verses. It's not our own show of forth. Our defense is God himself. And when we are in him and we can recognize who he is as our shield, there is nothing, there's no flaming arrow that's going to be able to penetrate and cause us to light up and to burn out. So Jesus, I thank you so much for the sacrifice that you made for us, God, to be able to be healed, to be able to be forgiven, to be able to be set free from shame, to be able to be set free from the pain that has been committed to us. God, I pray that we would move forward and, and look at your word and the different verses that talk about how you are our shield. And when those arrows start coming against us of temptation or accusation, God, I pray that you would surround our hearts, surround our minds. God, that you would do everything that you've already done to extinguish those arrows. I thank you for your faithfulness, God. And I pray that as we move forward in this spiritual warfare, that we would be so hyper aware of your power to protect and to defend. And that we'd be so just dependent and reliant on you. I thank you for, you, uh, for your love, Jesus, in your name. Amen. the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.